Welcome, welcome, welcome to the award-winning Legal Toolkit podcast only on the Legal Talk Network. Twice a month, we're delivering law practice management tips and tricks directly to your ear holes. My name is Jared Correa, and because Len Casper was unavailable, I'm your host. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys. Find us online at www.redcavelegal.com. I'm also the COO of Gideon Software, Inc. We build chatbots so that law firms can convert more leads. You can find out more about Gideon at www.gideon.legal. Before we get rolling, I'd like to take a moment to thank my mom for listening to every episode. I'd also like to thank our sponsors. They're the reason you're listening to the show right now. We would like to thank Alert Communications for sponsoring this podcast. If any law firm is looking for call, intake, or retainer services available 24-7, 365, just call 866-827-5568. Scorpion is the leading provider of marketing solutions for the legal industry. With nearly 20 years of experience serving attorneys, Scorpion can help grow your practice. Learn more at scorpionlegal.com. Abby Connect has delivered premium live receptionist and answering services to lawyers since 2006. You can try them out for free at abbyconnect.com. TimeSolve is the number one web-based time and billing software for lawyers. Providing solutions since 1999, TimeSolve provides the most comprehensive billing features for law firms big and small www.timesolve.com. 2020 has blown goats, for sure. Mercifully, though, everyone, it's almost over. But I'm a glass half full kind of guy. And so I try to focus on some of the positive elements of this year, which has been fairly difficult. The way I see it, it's been great for me to get to spend more time with my kids, right? Who wouldn't love that? Um, I wouldn't have been able to do that under different circumstances. My house is tidier than it's ever been, and I don't think I've ever spent any less on gas. What's been really interesting, though, is seeing the way that everyone's purchasing habits have changed since they've been housebound. No one's spending money on travel. Everybody's spending far less in their local communities. I mean, as I drive around my neighborhood or walk around my neighborhood, I've never seen lawns more immaculately groomed than they are now. I've never had more friends engaging in home improvement projects. I think everybody's putting up additions these days because where else are you going to go, right? 2020 is also the year when people are mass purchasing 25-foot skeletons for their front yards for Halloween. And over the summer, you couldn't find any of those little pools, you know, the ones that you can set up and take down because they were all bought out. And now, as the holiday season approaches, it's probably going to be hard to find whatever massive Christmas decorations are going to be popular this year. So if you want that giant Santa's sleigh for your roof, buy now. Speaking of the holidays, it's clear that everybody's rushing to put a cap on 2020 as quickly as possible. The day after Thanksgiving, I see people putting up mass amounts of decorations, putting out their Christmas trees. People are ready to move on. One of my neighbors has actually got a diorama of like the National Lampoon's Christmas movie with Chevy Chase in all his electrified glory. Maybe one of the best Christmas installations I've ever seen. Um, And this is all just such a weird artificial moment in time. I'm just really interested in watching how everything passes because hopefully this will never happen again in our lifetimes. So being stuck at home, I've got fewer business and personal expenses than ever before. And I, too, sadly, have fallen victim to what I call pandemic purchasing. So my wife hates this, of course. 
she's pretty fru frugal. And uh, to be fair, I'm also pretty frugal, usually. But these are, again, the strangest of times. Plus, Google shopping is the worst. It's so easy to buy stuff online. So over the summer, my sainted wife, Jessica, was able to tie me out of buying a $1,000 inflatable water park installation for the front yard of the house, but only just barely. I was very close to purchasing it anyway, but she's been less successful in related endeavors. Since I may have mentioned before on this podcast, I'm a big baseball fan. Love baseball, love old school baseball teams, and I've probably bought 30 new baseball hats, maybe more, since the pandemic lockdowns started. It's really bad. But there's so many cool hats out there. How could you not? Like, how could I live with myself if I didn't have a 1973 Cleveland Indians hat, I ask you? Perish the thought, right? So I even bought one of those hat racks that they have in stores, like Dick's Sporting Goods, and put it in my mudroom. It is gigantic. It's probably eight feet tall. Predictably, Jessica hates it. And when I felt like our sports equipment collection, not non-hats edition, uh, was out of control, I bought this giant blue bin on wheels that they use in factory floors to like clean stuff up. This thing is just gigantic as well. It's probably, I could probably fit like all my kids in it. Right. So I bought it online, but the company called me before they delivered it because they said, this is a residential address, right? First one of these blue bins they've ever delivered to a residential address in the history of the company. And here it comes rolling up on a pallet in my driveway. All the dads that come through the mudroom, they love the bin. The moms, the moms are a little bit skeptical. Now, if you've got young kids or if you happen to be alive, you're probably familiar with the movie Frozen and also Frozen 2. Not surprisingly, my daughter, who's five, loves Frozen. So they sell this three-foot replica of Sven, the reindeer from Frozen. So it doesn't do much, just stands there. Um, you can move the head up and down. It makes reindeer noises and you can put a carrot in its mouth. And that's about all you can do. It's absolutely not worth the price, overpriced like crazy. But I figured if there was ever a time I was going to buy giant reindeer Sven for my living room, it was now. So I took a shot, right? So it comes in this giant box. It's got the reindeer on it. My daughter's ecstatic and she played with it for a whole day. Like she was watching TV on it. She was feeding the reindeer the carrot. And then after the first day, she never looked at it again. So my wife said, I told you so. But I get the best revenge because now I dry my laundry on Sven's antlers. So what kind of crazy shit have you bought during the pandemic? Hit me up on Twitter at Jared Korea or on LinkedIn and let me know. I'm interested. Now, let's take a moment to listen to a word from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Imagine billing day being the happiest day of the month instead of the day you dread. Nobody went to law school because they love drafting invoices for clients. At TimeSolve, our attorneys save on average over eight hours a month in billing work. That means more billable time and turning billing day into happy day. Learn more about how to get to your time and billing happy place at timesolve.com. That's www.timesolvleaveofthee.com. Remember, that's timesolv.com. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both Spanish and English. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866 866 
727-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com slash LTN. All right, let's get back to it. It's time to put the Nutella in the middle of this sandwich. Let's interview our guest. My guest today, longtime friend of mine, lawyer, author of the Law Sites blog, the famous Law Next podcast, and doer of many other things, Bob Ambrosi. Bob, how are you? Dude, I've been called many things, but never the Nutella in the middle of a sandwich. So I guess this is quite an honor. <laughs> Nutella's big in my house, so consider it an honor. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. How you your, doing? Your old neighbor, stomping grounds. Neighbor of mine. Yes, yes. We, we live very close to each other. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But before oh, yeah, I do, oh, yeah. I, wa- I want people to know, like, if they don't know you, which probably like that's six people who are listening, right? Like, what Out do you of do? All seven. How do they find you online? That kind of thing. Yeah, my mom. My mom is a dedicated listener. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I am. I am here in Massachusetts, and uh, yes. I. I mean, most people know me because I write. I've been writing about legal technology and innovation in law for a very long time now. <laughs> I write a blog called Law Sites, which is at lawsitesblog.com. And I do a podcast called Law Next, which is at lawnext.com. And I also write a weekly tech column for Above the Law. Right. It's great that all your stuff agrees with your URLs, right? That's perfect happenstance. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so check out Bob's stuff if you haven't already. And I think Law Sites, was it your 18th, 20th anniversary that you just celebrated recently? I just had my 18th anniversary of writing that blog, yeah. That's amazing. Lost Lights and, is now uh, able to drink, everyone. Well, that's right. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's In like 1970. Fi- finally, my, my blog is able to vote. I was going to send <laughs> right. it down to Georgia right away. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. I know you're a busy guy. And so I just want to talk to you about a few things. Um, first is Massachusetts, as you mentioned before. We're neighbors, which I think a lot of people don't know. I think people probably think like, how could two brilliant legal minds live so close <laughs> together without opening a wormhole? But it's true. <laughs> so talk about Massachusetts. Like, I, I don't talk about this a lot on the show, but like, I actually love living in the North Shore of Massachusetts. Really cool place to live. Really quiet. Really convenient. Do you feel the same way? I'm hoping you do because you've been here for a while, but you've lived other places as well. I have lived other places, including the Caribbean for a while, where I used yeah. to practice law when I was younger. I live in a little town called Rockport, which is a really sort of scenic, picturesque, little Norman Rockwellish, lobstering, art colony kind of town. And it's great in the summer. The winters, uh, I'm not so thrilled with. <laughs> well, it gets cold, and, and you're by the water, too. Well, I guess we're, yeah. we're like all by the water where we are. Yeah. So for people who, are, who don't know, like... There's like Cape Cod, which is like the arm of Massachusetts. And then at the top, there's like this little bump. And that's the North Shore. Cape Ann, the other Cape. Cape Ann, right. Yeah, exactly. Cape nobody it, knows about. The Cape nobody knows about. But we have great beaches too, but it does get windy and cold in the winter for sure. It does. It does. We've been fan. My wife and I have been fantasizing about warmer places and maybe even moving to a warmer place. But Oh, man. Well, that's, I guess we're not seeing each other now anyway, right? So what would be the difference <laughs> if you lived in Hawaii or something? <laughs> right. I also want to talk to you a little about your career, right? Like, I think a lot of people would consider you, I'm one of those people, kind of like the journalist of record for legal technology. I hope that doesn't embarrass you. But you got a lot of fans out there. But you didn't have, but that's not a job you apply for, right? <laughs> to become like the poet laureate of legal technology. So how, how did you get to where you are? I know you have a background in law, you have a background in journalism, you still practice law. Like, how did you find this niche for yourself? 
You know, it's, I, I did have a background in journalism, and I was actually one of these people who crazily went to law school hoping to advance my career in journalism, not really planning to practice law. But I did, I did practice law a bit, and I, I still practice law. Uh, interestingly, in my law practice, I, I represent uh, a lot of news organizations uh, and journalism organizations there. But I, I got into this. I, I mean, I was I, I went back into journalism after becoming a lawyer. I started out many years ago as the editor of Mass Lawyers Weekly, which you mm -hmm. would know, Jared, but a lot of people wouldn't know. But it's kind of the legal paper of record here in Massachusetts. And but there are lawyers weeklies in all kinds of other states too. Yeah, so. yeah, they are all over the place. And there, if there's not a lawyers weekly, there's some equivalent of it in pretty right. much every state. But. Then, you know, I kind of moved from that company. I ended up working with American Lawyer Media in New York, and I was a editorial director of a division there and also the editor-in-chief of uh, the National Law Journal. And really, it, it's at some point, I really, in the very early days of the internet, I just kind of got interested. I mean, I, I was playing around with the internet, you know, before the web, really, <laughs> uh, in the days when you had to right. know how to, like, type all these weird commands and, and uh, navigate around that way. Yeah, but once the web came along, I, I kind of very quickly thought, you know, there's really lawyers ought to know about this, and no lawyers did know about it at that point, or very few did. Yeah, and I actually started a uh, trying to think of what I did first. I started a, a writing a column, and I kind of, kind of started syndicating it out to uh, like bar association publications on huh. on why. Well, actually, no, before the column, I started this newsletter called Legal Online. It was the first ever print. It was the first ever newsletter for lawyers about the internet. And it was in print because no, no oh, lawyers were online. Yeah. Uh, and they talked about how you could use the internet for marketing and research and networking and all these different things. Uh, and that, that led into a syndicated column and that led into some other stuff. And, and, uh, at some point I wrote a couple books and, and, uh, as soon as I wrote the books, they were out of date. So then I tried to figure out a more <laughs> right. timely way to write and I started blogging and just thinking, you know, that's the best way. If you're going to be writing about something that's changing rapidly, you need a, a medium that lets you, right. lets you publish rapidly. Right. And, and here we are today, all these yep. years later. No, but that's legit. That's the real deal. I think you do a great job, and Thank you. I mean, I think most people, or a lot of people in the in the industry, look to you to break news, which is pretty cool. So, in terms of news stuff that's happening right now, one thing that's been really interesting is like pandemic hits, right? Everybody's worried about what's going to happen. All of a sudden, there's this pandemic money that's going crazy in terms of all these merger and acquisitions in legal tech. Like some of these companies that have been like privately held for a long, long time, like Rocket Matter, they just got acquired. So yeah. like you've been in this space a long time. You know a lot of the players. So do I. Like what's, what has led, do you think, to these M&A deals happening now all of a sudden, it seems like? Yeah. I'm not sure I agree that it's all of a sudden, but it's certainly accelerated this year. I mean, I think really what's been happening is we're, we've been seeing steady momentum over the last few years of an increased investment in legal tech. Uh, you know, it, it was it was true, I don't know, not not all that many years ago that, that the big money investors, uh, venture capitalists, private equity investors steered clear of legal tech. They, they right. didn't see the return in it. And, and I think over the last few years, they started to realize that that was not the case. And we saw more and more of some of the big Silicon Valley investors getting in, interested in legal tech. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, that was all well before the pandemic. So you think this is just timing, but this has been happening. This has been like a slide to this for a little while now. I, I think it's been a slide, but I do think it's been accelerated this year. And I think okay. what's accelerated it in part is the, the realization 
that the cloud, <laughs> moving to the cloud is inevitable. And, and uh, you know, I, I, many of us probably have said that for years that moving to the cloud is inevitable, but it wasn't right. happening all that quickly. But yeah. with the pandemic and with everybody having to go into working remotely and working from home, the value proposition for the cloud became very quickly, uh, very apparent. And I think that in part is what explains some of the big investments we've seen. I mean, just yeah. in the practice management space, which has been kind of a, you know, I don't know, slow moving space. And so, and I, I, slow moving isn't the right word because there's been a lot that's been happening in that space over the years. It's just, uh, just so many players. Including in that Clio space. getting a major, you know, what did right. you know, Clio, what was that last year? Was it last year or two years ago? I think Clio it was, got, yeah, it might have been last year. They got the 250 million. Yeah. Yeah. But this year, you know, we saw the, uh, as you say, uh, uh, Rocket Matter, uh, the ASG Legal Tech has been uh, uh, right. acquiring a number of companies, Practice Panther and Maris Case and yep. Bill for Time. Oh, and they also acquired Headnote. Right. And I think that's the other sort of common theme here. Oh, and then uh, uh, My Case, of my course, case, uh, got yep. sold. So I think the other common theme here is that all of those things, not only are they cloud-based uh, applications or platforms, they all have e-payment aspects to them. Yeah, I think that's a driving uh, and, uh, force too. Good something point. else that became very important this year was the ability to get paid electronically, right? So, right. So you think a lot of what's pushing this is like the this movement toward the convenience economy, which I which I think also has been like ongoing for a long time, right? This is probably just yeah. what pushed it over the edge. That's interesting. So, I guess I guess this kind of relates back in some ways to how lawyers and law firms are using technology. If they're pushed into using more of these types of technologies, if more of them are using the cloud, that becomes a more valuable proposition. So I guess from your perspective, like we've seen lawyers adopt cloud technology more aggressively now, and that's got to be a trend that continues into the future, right? And do you think it's going to be much more aggressive than it's been in the past? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I don't think there's any going back at this point. I, yeah. I think that, I mean, part of it is I don't think there's we're ever going back to the brick and mortar law office in the way it once looked. I mean, I, right. I'm not, I don't mean to say that lawyers aren't going back to their physical offices. I think they will. But I, I think very clearly now that we've discovered that remote working not only can be done, but can be done quite successfully and that people can in fact be quite productive and get a lot of things done and still have a maybe a little better work-life balance. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any going back. And, and, and if we're not ever going back to a traditional bricks and mortar environment for law firms, then that means the cloud. I mean, that, that that's just, that's the only way to do it. Yeah. So you think that's going to be true of big law firms too, huh? I, I know a lot of those firms are still holding on to their leases. I mean, my wife's firm still yeah. has, a, has a big office space in Boston and they don't seem to be yeah. moving off of that. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. Well, happens, do they have any choice sure. but to hold on to those leases? I mean, a lot oh, of those right. have, have right. long-term leases, leases are right? long-term. Yeah, right. I think over the next five years or some of these leases start to run their course, we're going to see a radically different reshaping of the physical footprint for law firms. Going to be a lot of people moving to Rockport. Um, <laughs> people moving to Rockport. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the other side of this coin. One side of it is you grow a nice, successful business. You hopefully have an exit, get bought out by somebody. That's a good deal. Uh, but what about legal tech startups? Like, I know you keep track of legal tech startups. You keep track of the funding that's coming into legal tech startups. What kind of trends are you seeing there? This is, again, a, a, a curve that started uh, well before the pandemic in terms right. of the rise of the numbers of, of legal tech startups. 
But there has been a surprising increase in the level of activity, I think, around legal tech startups this year. Mm-hmm. That's not just funding-based. A lot of these are just still, uh, you know, people fu- funding these out of their own pockets or just, just trying to get started. Bootstrap, yeah. It, and and you, could, you could probably tell me more about the legal tech startup space since you're in it. But Oh, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I haven't been quite sure how to explain it, except I think one explanation for why there's been so much activity this year is that people have more time on their hands. <laughs> uh, and honestly, I mean, right, I you're like, people, you can't go anywhere, so you're going to sit home and code, right? <laughs> right. No, but well, I think, I, I think that some of these startups that had been you know, spending some of their time, and, and, and these are not super early stage startups, but some of the legal tech companies out there that have been spending a, a good part of their years uh, in the past going around to bar associations and trade shows and yeah. whatever and trying to make a name for themselves haven't been going anywhere. And so they've really had time to sit down and work on refining and building out their their products and getting to come the, some of their the wish list items that they've had on their blueprints for a while. Yeah. I think that's even happening with some of the larger companies. There's just, there's just been a, a a real surge in new product development this year and in uh, product refinement uh, this year. And I think that's true. That's a really interesting take. So if you're not doing the conferences, if you're not spending a, as much time on marketing and branding, what else are you going to do? You're going to work on the products. <laughs> yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. All right. I, I know you have a lot of obligations, sir, and I'm not going to keep you for much longer. However... I wanted to thank you. you I want to thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. That was the Bob Ambrosi, everybody. This is this is not every day at the Legal Talk Network that we get to talk to Bob. So just one more time, if people want to read your stuff, find you online, what's the best way to do that? Probably my blog, lawsitesblog.com, or I'm on Twitter at Bob Ambrosi. Always good stuff. Thank you, Bob. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. As soon as this pandemic is over, we'll have uh, drinks or coffee or something. We'll see each other in person. We'll drink from our legal tech vendor-related swag mugs. It'll be a good day. (laughs) When are we going to do the swag show? We're going to do that soon. That'll be the update, the swag show. Stay tuned. A few months from now, we're going to do the swag show. Uh, So we'll take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about what our sponsors can do for your law practice. Then stay tuned for the rump roast. It's even more supple than the roast beast. Now more than ever, an effective marketing strategy is one of the most important things your law firm can have, and Scorpion can help. With nearly 20 years of experience serving the legal industry, Scorpion has proven methods to help you get the high-value cases you deserve. Join thousands of attorneys across the country who have turned to Scorpion for effective marketing and technology solutions. For a better way to grow your practice, visit scorpionlegal.com. Your legal work requires your full attention. So how can you build lasting relationships with new or existing clients while juggling your caseload? Try Abby Connect, the friendly, highly trained and motivated live receptionists who are well known for providing consistent quality customer service and support to law firms just like yours. Every connection matters. So call Abby Connect today at 833-ABBY-WOW to get started with your free 14-day trial and $95 off your first bill. Welcome, everyone, to the rear end of the legal toolkit, the Rump Roast. It's a grab bag of short-form topics of my choice. Today, we're going to bring in a brand new guest for this segment. We have with us William Crawford Appleby IV, like the third Duke of Edinburgh, right? Like, what, what kind of royal status do you have? 
It's exactly like that, <laughs> um, except without the status. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that is an impressive name, my friend. And you go by Crawford, right? I do. Thanks. You pick you pick the coolest of the names to go by. Well played. So I, I need to ask you, how'd you get on the show today? I got on the show by uh, answering your trivia questions from the last episode. Right. Correctly. Yes, correctly. So you're one of the folks who submitted an answer. We had a little playlist of songs and you had to identify all the products to get on the show. And you did, and we picked you and you won. So let me ask you, how did you get those questions right? Were you like old school, listened to the song, knew it already, or were you like a lyrics genius type of guy? I wish all of that was true. Uh, some of the songs I'd heard before and some of them I hadn't. And in the interest of being the first person, I did it as quickly as possible <laughs> using Google. Well played. Did you have a favorite song in the playlist or favorite artist? Or are our, are, are our musical tastes aligned at all? I'm not sure if they are. I threw a little Harry Chapin in there, a little Oasis. It's all over the place. There were some in there that I thought, yeah, I've heard that song. I like that song. Good, good, good. You don't have yeah. to say that, by the way. You could be like, your playlist is garbage, but I appreciate your helping <laughs> me out there. Um, that's what my kids do. So um, I want you to be able to introduce yourself to folks. So you got a couple interesting things going on. You're a practicing lawyer, work at a law firm. You've also got this legal tech software that's focused on access to justice. So can you tell the folks a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm an attorney in the Los Angeles office of Baum, Hedlund, Aristi, and Goldman. And we do cases um, for plaintiffs involving uh, mass torts, drug cases, and uh, transportation accidents, especially aviation. And we also do KETAM. I also have on the side my legal tech company, which is called Rulings.Law. And like you said, it's, a, it's an access to justice thing. So what I've done essentially- <laughs> you, you can describe it in more detail than that. <laughs> oh yeah, don't worry. I've actually, uh, what I've done is I've put together this uh, searchable database of trial court rulings for state court judges in California. So now when people go in front of their trial court judge and they're gonna do a motion or they're gonna do some kind of argument, they can look up how the judge has ruled in the past and read their prior rulings and get some insight into those judges, learn about them, what arguments persuade them, what cases work for that judge, and then you know hopefully be more successful. Um, and so the idea is uh, to take something that you know is normally issued by the court, and uh, it, it's only issued temporarily. It's it's put up on the court's website for a couple of days, and then right. the ruling disappears and it's gone forever. Um, but it's still part of the public record, and I think people should should have it so that they can do this research. And uh, I wanted to make it free because. You know, I wanted it to be something that everybody could have. And, and so that's what it's all about. That's really cool. And that would seem to have a ton of applications for lawyers, lay people, potentially just anybody who has an interest in legal issues. Absolutely. You know, it's I'm, I designed it originally um, to help, you know, lawyers, you know, representing the little guy. But it's it's turning out new kinds of uses all the time. So I'm always you know excited to find out what else can people can do with it. And so how can people find the product? Best way to do it is just to go online and visit the, the website rulings.law and uh, everything you need to know is on there, including how to get in touch with me. Yeah, there you go. People should get in touch with you. Do you want to give out your cell phone number now or are you saving that for later? I'll save that for later. Okay. So check out the site, especially if you're in California. All right. Now I got a game for you. So when I was a kid, I used to have this book called Donkeys Can't Sleep in Bathtubs. You ever hear of this book? <laughs> No, it's amazing. <laughs> so it's it a good title. I, I love this book and I, I bet I'm older than you. So this book probably came out in like the early eighties. Right. So it was all about like all these crazy state laws. 
So in one state, it was illegal for donkeys to sleep in bathtubs randomly. So because you've got this rulings.law thing and you're interested in spreading the word about laws in the United States, like let's do a little spreading the word of some crazy laws in the US. So I got three questions for you. So what I'm going to do is tell you a law that's insane. And then I'd like you to tell me the state in which that (laughs) law applies. You ready to go? I'm ready. Number one is probably obvious. In which state is it illegal? for donkeys to sleep in bathtubs. And I'm going to give you a multiple choice. I'm not going to make you guess. So okay. we've got Arizona, New Mexico, or Utah. What do you think? <sighs> New Mexico. Very close. Very close. It's Arizona. Oh, You didn't learn this in like first year property class? <laughs> no, it wasn't on there in my test, unfortunately. So here's the story. So in the 1920s, a dam broke in Arizona and it flooded this rancher's house. And the rancher had a donkey and the donkey liked to sleep in a bathtub. So the bathtub got washed away, like miles away. And they had to like spend a ton of money, like rescuing this donkey from a bathtub. So they they passed a law that said donkeys can't sleep in bathtubs. So no law against sitting or standing in bathtubs, however, as long as the donkey is awake. I'll keep that in mind when I go to Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Your donkeys make them sleep somewhere else. So. Next question, I think is particularly appropriate because as you told me, you're kind of summering in Vermont right now. I am in Massachusetts myself. Let's do a New England centric question. In which state is it illegal to park in front of Dunkin' Donuts? Is it Massachusetts, Rhode Island, or Maine? I feel like it's Massachusetts. That's a good guess, but it's not. Ah. It's Maine. So the donkeys in South Berwick is so busy that they banned parking in front of the Dunkin' Donuts just because of so many traffic <laughs> headaches. Uh, last question. You're 0 for 2 so far. I'm not going to say I'm disappointed, but I'm a little disappointed. Nowhere to go but up. Nowhere to that. go but up. In which state are minors not allowed to play pinball? Pinball, the gateway to all kinds of illegal activity. Is it A, Washington, B, South Carolina, or C, Nebraska? Nebraska. Oh, I'm sorry. We're 0 for 3. It's ah. South Carolina. I actually don't even have a story as to why that's the case. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't get it. All right, that's the quiz. You performed poorly. No, you're fine. I did. Um, I did. T- that, was a, that was a tough get. Lots of tough questions there. Um, but let me, let's turn this around a little bit. I'm going to do another. Before, before um, we do, I wanted yeah. to mention. Yes, I don't ahead. know if you're aware of another law that fits right in with your quiz. Hit me. It's uh, bonus two, law. two laws, actually. Yes. Yeah, bonus law. Um, that the the federal penal code uh, says that it is illegal for you to uh, impersonate Smokey the Bear or Woodsy the Owl. <laughs> Not Man. joking. You can look it up. I'm so screwed for Halloween next year. All right, let's turn this around a little bit. Like, tell me who's your favorite musical artist. I'm going to include that person on our next playlist, just for you. Favorite musical artist. Yeah. Oh gosh, this is really this is really random. Yeah. But uh, I really like the Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers, like yeah. John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd from the movie. Yeah, just doing covers, yeah. Oh, I was not expecting that. All right. All right. <laughs> that was I'll, a curveball. I made the promise. I'm going to make this happen. <laughs> well, we're almost out of time. So thank you, Crawford, for playing. You are fantastic. I'm glad you won our little contest. Um, one more time, can you tell people about who you are and how to find you? Yeah, absolutely. Anybody who wants to reach out, it's uh, I'm an attorney at Baum Headland Aristi and Goldman in Los Angeles, and my legal tech company is Rulings.Law. All right. Thanks, Crawford. You were amazing. Check out Rulings.Law, everybody. 
not bad at all. I'm giving you a silent round of applause right now. Thanks, Jared. Um, but that will do it, sadly, for another episode of the Legal Toolkit Podcast, where we just bought a zoning. Uh-oh. Workers' Comp Matters is a podcast dedicated to exploring the laws, the landmark cases, and the true stories that define our workers' compensation system. I'm Judd Pierce, and together with Alan Pierce, we host a different guest each month as we bring to life this diverse area of the law. Join us on Workers' Comp Matters on the Legal Talk Network.